If you would please open your Bibles to the book of James. James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, this is God's Word. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Not many should presume to be teachers because teachers are going to be judged with a stricter standard than those who are not teachers. Okay, I get that. So, what are my options here? Well, the book of Proverbs says, even a fool who keeps his peace is considered wise. Or as someone in more modern times has said, better to let people... Think that you're not very bright than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Okay? It it is a wise thing just to be quiet. And sometimes when we speak, it is ill-considered and we are saying things that are unhelpful. Jesus talks about the fact that every idle word that a person has spoken is going to be judged. We're going to have to give an account. I don't know about you, but I find that frightening. I have repented of so many things that I said over the years. 
Just stupid stuff. Trying to impress somebody, trying to amuse somebody, trying to fill the silence. And it is not, it is not inconsequential. It's not unimportant. It's not something that doesn't matter. God says it does matter. And we're going to give an account for our words. That, to me, is one of the most troublesome passages in Scripture. Not because I'm not sure I understand it, but because I'm afraid I do understand it. Every idle word. If you never say anything that is wrong, anything that you wish you could take back, then you probably don't know how stupid the things coming out of your mouth are. If, 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 if the Bible says where there's an abundance of words, transgression is unavoidable. So what should we conclude? Just don't talk so much. My report cards in the public school from the time I was a little boy gave me a lot of compliments. But one thing that was checked every grading period, talks too much. And I used to tell my parents, I don't talk that much more than the other kids. It's just my voice carries. And there was some truth to that. But I could have avoided it if I'd just been quiet. If I just not only lowered my voice, but if I had refrained from speaking. When it's not helpful, does it, does it occur to us that what we have to say may not be vital to everyone else? Okay? So, not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Because those of us who teach, those of you who teach, are impacting people with your words. People take what we say, and sometimes they act on it. Not all the time. But it's planting a seed, and that seed needs to be good seed. So he doesn't say none of you should teach, nobody should ever talk. We're all just going to take a vow of silence and walk around. I, I know some people who seem to have done that. That is not biblical mental health. That is not walking in the spirit. We should be able to speak, but we need a lot of help, and we're going to get there. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to control his whole body, keep his whole body in check. So, so some people, uh, I mean, they, they get it. They never mess up. Well, keep reading. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. What's his point? The tongue is a very significant thing. If you think your words don't matter, that you can say stuff and it just, you know, it doesn't matter, it just goes out in the air and then it's gone. You're wrong. The tongue, getting that thing under control, brings everything under control, as in the case of a horse with a bit. Or, take ships, for example. The rudder 
compared to the size of the ship is very small. Even on a big ship, the rudder is smaller than most of the other parts of the ship. But that's how the pilot steers. So, you and I need to understand that our tongue and what we say makes a huge difference and is something we're going to answer to God for. Now, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Small thing making a big difference. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. My, my tongue is bad? My, 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 my tongue is evil? Well, Jesus makes it clear that what comes out of our mouth is simply a reflection of what is in our hearts. Don't lose your place in James, but turn for a moment to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, beginning in verse 33. This is what Jesus says. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you'll be acquitted, and by your words you'll be condemned. <sighs> Some of us are in trouble. Imagine if God just played back a tape of what you said yesterday. Well, the things I said in public were pretty good. What about the stuff you said when you were thinking you were in private? What about the stuff that you said when no one else was around and you were just kind of talking to yourself, but what you were saying to yourself was not biblical truth. It was giving voice to the thoughts the enemy was feeding to you. Jesus says, we're going to give an account. Jesus also says that what comes out is simply a manifestation of what's on the inside. You see, if we're going to fix this, he has to fix this. He's the only one. No man can tame the tongue. James says that. Ultimately, we need to recognize we've got a problem. We need to recognize we can't fix it ourselves. And we need to say, oh, Lord, please forgive me and cleanse me and fill me and change me because I want to do your will. Is that your prayer? Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus says so. And guess what? He's always right. If I am carrying a cup of coffee upstairs to my wife, 
and I miss a step, guess what's going to land on the stairs? You? No. I, I can usually catch myself. But, but the coffee in that cup is liable to spill out. Okay? Because that's what's in the cup. If you're standing somewhere with a cup of coffee and somebody bumps you, what's going to come out is what's inside. Coffee. What comes out of your mouth? That tells you what you're full of. Are you filled with the Spirit? Look at Ephesians. Again, I know we are going back to James. But look at Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality, or of any kind of impurity, or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Of this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. What in the world? He says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Instead, say that which is helpful for building others up. So, in James, it sounds like we can't control it. We can't on our own. The solution is to be being filled with the Spirit. Paul goes on to say in Ephesians chapter 5, Be very careful, then, how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be being filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you want what comes out of your mouth to be good, what's in your heart has to be good. 
How can I make that happen? Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Ask God to fill you, that is to take control. When I go to get in the car, I just assume I'm driving. I mean, because that's what I've done most of my life. Even when I was a teenager, my aged father would say, son, why don't you drive? I mean, I was the driver. Now I'm an old man. And sometimes when I go to get in the car, I just reflexively head for the driver's door. And sometimes my wife, who may know that I just took some a leave because I'm hurting or that I didn't get a lot of sleep the night before, will say, uh, honey, would you like me to drive? And I have to realize, oh, well, we can't both drive. If I'm going to relinquish the driving, that's a decision I make, and I turn it over to her. And she's a very good driver, and we'll get there faster. But, but the fact of the matter is, I make a decision to turn that over to her. That's how you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You make a decision that you want him to be in control. And it's a moment by moment being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not a one-time experience. Well, uh, there's this uh, preacher that I'd seen on TV and who's holding meetings in, the, in a meeting room, big, big uh, hall down at the uh, Holiday Inn. And I went down there and, and he prayed for me and I fell on the floor and ever since then I, I'm, I'm a spirit-filled Christian. That's not exactly what's being described here. The idea of being filled with the Spirit is being yielded to the Spirit. It means He is calling the shots. He's directing your path. He's guiding you. And He does it through His Word. Okay? So, we need to be being filled with the Spirit. And then the consequence will be we're going to be speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our hearts, and we're going to be giving thanks to God. When you are filled with the Spirit, one of the surest signs that you're walking in the Spirit is that you are a thankful person. You display gratitude. If you're always focused on what you don't have instead of thanking God for what He's given you, you're not walking in the Spirit. If, if you always feel a little, little ripped off, I didn't, get, I didn't get what I was hoping, and that other person did, and, and I just don't like that. I don't think it's fair. I don't think, I don't, I don't think things are going the way they should because I'm not getting what I want. You're not walking in the Spirit. You're not filled with the Spirit. And what's coming out shows it. So James, again, describes the tongue in its natural state as being evil. And he says in verse 8 of chapter 3 of James, No man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. You can't fix it yourself. I've shared with you before that when I was a teenager, my friend Sam Fieldman, now a psychiatrist, confronted me about the fact that uh, even though I love Jesus 
And I talked to people about the Lord and led people to Christ by sharing the gospel because the gospel is true even if it's shared by an adolescent jerk. Um, I, I, would, I would share the truth with people because I knew the truth and I believed the truth and I would praise the Lord but I also had a penchant for coarse joking. Okay? That's the way it's described in the passage we read from Ephesians. Telling things that I thought were funny because I'd heard them and laughed. And I saw other people laughed at them. And so I could memorize very easily, and I had a repertoire of bad stuff. And with it came some bad language. But I knew not to use that around my parents because I wanted to live. <laughs> and so I, I, in, in this setting, I would talk this way, but around my friends sometimes, it was just us, I would say, hey, I, I got I to tell you this. <laughs> and they'd laugh, but Sam knew that it wasn't right. And so even though he was a year younger than I was, he confronted me by directing me to the passage we just read in Ephesians and the parallel passage over in Colossians. I'd read Colossians, I'd read Ephesians, I knew that stuff, but it had never jumped out and punched me in the nose before. And when I read it that day, God the Holy Spirit convicted me, what you're doing is wrong, and it grieves the Lord. God's not happy with it. I mean, your parents would be upset, but they're just people. God is upset by it. That does not belong in your life. So in order for me, I, I repented, I thanked him, I asked God's forgiveness, and I began to seek to change. And that meant I had to change my intake. I had to stop listening to stuff that was vulgar and crude, coarse. And I realized that all those dirty jokes that I had learned basically acted as if sin is funny. And sin's not funny. Sin produces death. Sin is the reason that Jesus had to die on the cross. Not because he had sinned, but because we have. And so I began visualizing Jesus on the cross suffering for the things I was laughing about. And all of a sudden they weren't funny anymore. Just wasn't funny. Not okay. So I began to fill my heart and mind with God's word and fill my mind with things that were lovely and pure and of good report, which is what we're told in Philippians. That's what we're supposed to meditate on. That's what we're supposed to focus on. And as I did that, what came out of my mouth changed. In the situations where previously I might have been tempted to use a bad word, I now began to say, praise the Lord. 
Now this looks kind of comical if you hit your thumb with a hammer and you say, praise the Lord. But it's better than saying something you shouldn't. So you're praising the Lord that you hit your thumb? No, I'm praising the Lord because he is worthy. And by the way, it's nice to have a thumb. Okay? If I didn't have a thumb, I couldn't hit it. You understand? So you start rejoicing in the good and praising the Lord, and you seek to remove yourself from situations where you're being strongly tempted to go in the other direction. In college, I took a course in skiing. I'd never skied before. I'd water skied, but I'd never snow skied. I figured they were the same. They're the opposite, okay? And so I, but I didn't know. So the bus broke down on the way to the slopes, and uh, therefore we all missed our lesson uh, for the first class at the slopes, uh, Sugar Mountain in Western Carolina. But we had our prepaid rental of equipment, and we had our prepaid lift ticket, so I decided, well, I'll give it a try. And there was this beginner's slope, but it was little kids, okay? I thought, I'm not going to do that. I, you know, I'm, I'll go to the intermediate slope. Stupid, stupid, right here. I was so dumb. I just didn't know. I didn't ask. I was, I was not humble enough to ask someone else for advice. Or to say, hey, could you teach me a few things I need to know before I try this? So I went over and I went up to the top thinking, if I don't want to do this, I can just ride back down. But all the way up there, I'm noticing on the lift, nobody's riding down. And I'm hoping that that just means it's really good and everybody likes it. But instead, what it meant is when you get to the top, they don't stop the chairlift. You have to jump off. And when you do, you're on your way down the intermediate slope. I had not learned to snowplow, much less to shush. And, and so I just was making a beeline directly down the slope, gaining speed like a guy about to go off a jump in the Olympics. I began to realize that I was headed for disaster, and the only way I knew to stop was to throw myself down. So I threw myself to the right and tumbled several times, and my skis came off. I said, praise the Lord. <laughs> and I retrieved my skis, and I put them back on, and I got back up on my feet, and I'm straight down the slope again. Yeah, and I'm picking up a lot of speed. I decided, I've got to slow this baby down. So I threw myself to the right. <laughs> skis came off. It hurt. And I said, praise the Lord. <laughs> so I got my skis back on, and I got back up, and I skied again straight down. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, assuming you'll get a different outcome. I wasn't sure I was going to get a different outcome, but I didn't know anything else to do. So I just kept going. And when I got to where I could see the ski lodge down below, I threw myself to the right and boom, 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 boom. Why didn't you throw yourself to the left for a change? Weren't you getting bruised? Yes, I was getting bruised, but I'm, I'm right-handed and right-side dominant. And so I threw myself to the right and flipped over a bunch of times. And I got up 
And I didn't say praise the Lord. But I didn't say anything else either. You understand? I put my skis over my shoulder and I hiked down to the lodge and I thought, next time I want to get lessons. I didn't ski anymore that night. But I was grateful that even though I wasn't praising the Lord after the third fall, which I should have been, I was not cursing. I'll tell you something. You're not going to arrive overnight, but you can make progress. And it starts with being filled with the Spirit. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men. Not okay. Men who've been made in God's likeness. The way that we view other people and the things we say about them is ultimately a reflection of what we believe about God. Out of the mouth, the same mouth, come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. So if you're a person who does both, it says, well, I do praise the Lord sometimes. You know, I get filled with the Spirit sometimes. Well, you need to be living that way, walking in the truth. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. You need to decide whether you want to walk in the Spirit or whether you just want to visit sometimes. Because God isn't looking to just help you on occasion. God wants to transform your life. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is passed away. All things have become new. You and I have the opportunity in Christ Jesus to be changed from the inside out. And as we are, what will come out is his glory. Praise to him. Thanksgiving. That's the way we're to live. And by God's grace, we can. Don't say, well, no, I've tried. Have you tried yielding to him? Well, no, I was trying just to set a watch over my mouth. There are times when you need to just be silent. I've told you before, but it's been a while, about when I was in the grocery store while attending seminary. I was in the grocery store picking up groceries. My wife was back at the apartment taking care of our newborn baby. And um, as I walked toward the cashier lines, with some groceries in my basket, an older woman hurried in front of me with hers. I mean, I wasn't walking even that fast. I was just walking toward the thing. And she just, it was like she saw me and it was like a race to the finish. And she ran over there, pushing her basket, got in front of me in the line, and then I wasn't upset, but she turns around and looks at me as if, I had just done something wrong and she stopped me. And when I saw the expression on her face, which looked remarkably like a bulldog, I, uh, the, the first thing that came to my mind was to 
respond to her by going, row, 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 row. That was the thought that popped into my head. But, but I didn't say, say that. I didn't say anything. I just looked at her and thought, this is not a happy person. And I'm glad I didn't bark at her. Because if she'd had a heart attack and I had to explain how it happened and why I was barking, I don't think that would go over well. Let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. Just don't do it. If you're in Christ, you can stop it. By God's grace, you can say no to yourself. Now, you can't do it by yourself. You need to be filled with the Spirit. But as you are filled with the Spirit, you're going to be praising God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you do come to live in us and to change us from the inside out. Thank you that by your grace, you can tame our tongues. You can transform us so that what we say is life-giving. Help us, we pray, to believe the good news and to surrender ourselves to you afresh. Transform us by your grace. May we be filled with your words and think your thoughts after you. And we will give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, do we have any-